0: You this evening. Um, yeah, I'm quite excited for tonight. I've um, had something that's been on my heart for a while, um, and uh, oh, it's just a, a privilege to get to bring the word. Cool, well, we can start by opening to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, um, one of my favorite events uh, in the Old Testament, um, and uh, yeah, we're going to just take a look at that uh, as we head into this evening. It's not going to be up on the screens. Uh, So you can look in your Bibles, uh, or share with someone next to you, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So while you're looking there, I'll give you a short, quick background. Uh, Basically in that time, uh, there was a great multitude uh, of people, enemies that were coming up against uh, King Jehoshaphat and his people, the people of Judah. Um, And it was so dire, there were so many people uh, that were coming against him. Uh, and the nation, that they were helpless, uh, they didn't know which way to turn, or oh, well, actually Jehoshaphat didn't know which way to turn, he turned to God, and he called the entire nation uh, of Judah together, and uh, I love what it says in verse 13, it says, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children, which means there were infants there, there were children there, there were wives and husbands there, the entire nation of Judah gathered together. That's how dire the situation was. They were like, there is no other way other than God that we are going to get out of this one alive. Um, So we're going to read from verse 5, and this is basically the prayer that Jehoshaphat made in front of the entire uh, nation uh, to God. And this is going to frame uh, where we're going to head from here. This is what it says. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine... We will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, uh, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us. I love that it says reward us. They reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so tonight we're going to be speaking a little bit about expectancy. Um, in this situation, there was an entire nation of Israel that was coming together in complete expectancy, because they realized, hey, there's no other way that I'm going to get out of this situation other than focusing on God. And so they came to God in complete expectancy, expectancy going, God, you are the one that I need to focus on and trust in, uh, in order to get out of this. And so while they were there, you would think, okay, the the word of the Lord is going to come on Jehoshaphat because he's the king. That wasn't the case. Um, In verse 14, that says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah and the son of a couple more people. And he said, "Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you: Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at the great horde; for the battle is not yours, but God's. And this is this is where it gets really interesting. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm." Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. You will not need to fight this battle. What basically happens is they do exactly what is said of them, because that's what you do when God tells you something. And they went out in the morning early, and you know what they did? They went out and they worshipped. They went out and they sang praises to God. And while they were doing that, the Bible says later on in that, that God set up an ambush against them. Not the people of Judah, but God set up a like supernatural ambush, that came and wiped out the entire army. They did not have to do anything, just as he had said. And so it's just so exciting to know that even in those dire times, like it was in, um, in that time with Jehoshaphat, uh, when they had expectancy in God, uh, they were able to see uh, a solution in that. Um, we had a, a winter retreat. Uh, how many of you guys were there? A couple of you? Yeah, yeah. Good to see you guys in church this evening. Uh, But this winter retreat was something really special for me because this is where um, this expectancy thing uh, came to, like, like I've always... Known that we need to be expectant. but it came to like huge realization in my mind. And basically, what happened was uh, before camp was started, God was starting to stir my heart about this camp, and God was starting to uh, get me excited about this, and God was starting to say that I'm going to do something in the lives of these young guys that are coming along to this camp. And then the week before, in fact, not just the week before, two days before, uh, we had this amazing worship team, and we had spent time practicing uh, a couple of weeks before. Um, and basically a couple of the guys had to pull out to the place where, it, where there were just three of us left. And I was like, you know what? God has a plan. God has a purpose. We're, we're going for this. I really believe that God has something planned. Then our caterer uh, decided, well, he didn't decide. He unfortunately had a work thing and uh, could only come in in the last day, which you kind of just go, Oh, it was great that you made the, the plan, but uh, we'll make a plan. And then the whole idea with it is we want different people to come in to help so that we don't have to do all those things. Anyway, uh, Kerry had to get stuck into the kitchen. I know Niteska helped her there like a champion. Um, but uh, all these things were starting to come up, and... Uh, by all means, that should make you go like, oh, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be a failure. But you know what? It wasn't. It was the most incredible time. In fact, there's a scripture that we'll speak about later uh, that says God is able to do immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine. And uh, God blew my mind uh, on this camp. I was, I was expecting great things, and God just did, exceeded that. We saw some of our young guys prophesying, prophesying to other young guys. We saw guys who came on camp that didn't know Jesus decide that they want to live their life for him. We saw guys uh, come on camp who were going through really hard times and uh, God just like sowed abundant encouragement into their life. And we even saw guys um, who were doubting if God existed. We saw them in dynamically encounter God in that camp. And so it's, it's just... From then, this thing of expectancy just came on and on and on. And I was thinking about it more and more. And as I was speaking to my youth team and to my worship team, um, I was just like, guys, we need to be expectant. We need to expect that God is going to do something greater. And that means that we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to trust him. We have to understand uh, what it's all about. And so you saw earlier that Micah 7 verse 7 verse, um, it sort of frames uh, expectancy. And this is what it says. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Cool, let's pray to, to start this off. God, we, uh, we're excited because we know that you uh, do have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Uh, Lord, we can step out confidently uh, because we know who you are. And uh, Lord, as we just dig into this this evening, we want to pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that this wouldn't be something that we just get encouraged on Sunday and do nothing on Monday, but Lord, we would step out in faith. And expectancy that you are going to change our worlds for you. Yeah, we trust you for this. Amen. So, the first point this evening is expectancy starts with knowing God. We cannot be expectant if we don't know who God is. Okay, this isn't knowing about God. You're like, yeah, I know there's a God out there. This is personally knowing God, growing in our relationship with Him. We cannot um, have expectancy if we don't know who He is. So, first thing is growing in relationship is intentional. Growing in relationship is intentional. We will never grow in our relationship with God if we don't intentionally pursue him. And uh, one of the things that have really been standing out to me lately as well is this thing of be still. Be still and know that I am God is what Psalm 46 verse 10 says. Be still and know that I am God. And we're in this generation where um, I don't know if we know how to be still anymore. Um, We always have our phone with us Uh, Whether uh, it's—I just think I was thinking about it as I was preparing. uh, You know, sit in the Home Affairs line and play a game, or sit in the Home Affairs line and you know go through Facebook. But there's never a time where we sit and be still. We we always are doing something. We fill our lives. Matt spoke about it uh, the other day. We fill our lives with as much stuff, and we say, "Yeah, we're busy," which means we're doing great. When that's so not the case, if God is saying that we need to be still to know that He is God, we're actually missing the point and missing the mark on this one. And uh, the truth is, if we want to be expectant uh, in our lives, we actually need to intentionally be seeking God in this thing. Um, And so we need to be still. We need to find those moments where we can switch off our devices. In fact, put them in the other room where we can retreat from TV, retreat from those things that distract us, where we can find time, put time aside. If you say to me that you're way too busy to spend time with God, you're actually too busy and you've chosen to put those things in your life, you can choose to take some of those things out of your life so that you can be still and know that he is God. And it's so important. I think it's something that we lack a lot um, in our current generation and culture. And then, Uh, Also in uh, growing in our relationship uh, and being intentional, I really love the way that the Amplified uh, Bible put this. Uh, Luke 11, it's one you know, but this is what it says. And keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives, and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to whom who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be opened. It opens up a whole new meaning to the scripture to what we normally just read. And that is what it's actually saying. Keep on asking. Let your life be an attitude of asking. And then you will receive. Let your life be an attitude of seeking and you will find. And let your life be an attitude of knocking and the door will be opened to you. It's a continual thing. It's a thing that needs to happen day in, day out. It's not a set time in the morning or in the evening whenever you spend your time with God, but it's, it happens throughout the day. I say to our youth guys sometimes, um, you know, what about those, those gaps between periods at school? Why don't we take time there? What about lunch break at work? Let's take time there and seek God and grow our relationship with Him intentionally. Secondly, knowing God brings confidence. Knowing God brings confidence. Firstly, we can have confidence in God's great love for us. God is the perfect father, the perfect father. And I know that in our world, we we have a lot of fathers who don't show us the image and the picture of what a perfect father is. But when we look at God, we see what the perfect father is. And Matthew 7 uh, is also the passage that speaks about ask, seek, and knock. But then it goes on to say, uh, or which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Any one of you do that? You can say yes. Um, (laughs) It might be a practical joke. I don't know. Um, But how many of us would do that? I've got a son now. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't dare do that. Like there would be nothing in my mind. And so it goes on to say, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, imagine how much the perfect father will give good gifts to those who love him. If us who, we have sin in our lives, imagine the one who's perfect, the one who has no sin. Imagine the gifts that he will give when we ask continually, seek continually, not continually. We get confidence in God's love when we understand what that is. <coughs> Romans eight, and uh, I, love, I love the scripture. It speaks about us having being adopt, adopted as sons into his kingdom. Adopted. We've been taken in. Like we were lost. And we were taken in. So we're speaking about the breath of life thing earlier. Hey, How cool is that? A hundred babies that otherwise would be destined to nothing were taken in. Homes were found for them. They had new fathers. And our father took us in when we were sinners and is so worthy of our praise. Secondly, we have confidence in God's provision. Um, there's just, there's just so, such abundance of scripture on, on like how we can have confidence in God. And so this thing of God's provision is the fact um, that God will provide for our needs. Not our wants, our needs. And so this passage specifically um, is one that we know very well. Um, the writer says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay? Yeah, look at the birds, but God feeds them. Look at the grass, look at the plants, look at the flowers. They all look beautiful. They look amazing. Um, And even Solomon, and it's quite interesting that Solomon, because Solomon was like the richest man. He was also the wisest man, and yet he can't clothe himself uh, with as much splendor as those things. And if God, who loves us so much more than all of those flowers, all of those plants, if God knows how to clothe those and feed them, imagine how much more for us that he cares so much and so deeply for. Imagine how much. And then it goes on at the end to say, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and your needs will be met. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything will be added to you. All these things that you need will be added to you. We can be confident in God's provision. We can also be confident in the unfailing nature of God. The fact that God's promises are always true. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 that's where we get it from. You know the, the thing that we say that all of the promises are yes and amen? Comes from there. It says for the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is uh, through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So what that means is when we know something about God, when we're positive and strong and um, without a doubt about something that God says, so if he promises it or if he said that to us, we can go, it is so, amen. That is it. We can, we can be confident in it. And so our confidence grows, and we get to know God better through that. Thirdly, uh, we need to understand if we want to know God that God is all about his glory. And I think this is a very, very, very important point because it frames everything that we, that we do as believers. God is about his glory. He's not about our glory. It's not about us getting fame. He's not about us getting money. He's not about that. God's about his glory. And if he does things, he wants to get the glory from it. And uh, there's no better scripture, I think, in, in the Bible than Isaiah 48 to frame that, and says, "For my name's sake, I defer my anger. for the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For, you should, for how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. God is all about His glory. And we need to frame that in our minds when we start thinking about this thing of expectancy. And then Ephesians 3, which is the, the passage that I spoke to you about earlier, says uh, God is able to do immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably. Like, that's lots more. God is able to do that much more than we could hope or imagine. But you know what the very next verse says? For His glory. He's able to do immeasurably more for His glory. And it's so important. God can do crazy works in our lives. God can do crazy works on camps. God can do crazy works for Judah, for Israel. But it's for his glory. And we mustn't forget that. So, next uh, main point is knowing that God must result in action. So if we really do know um, God, if we know that it's all about his glory, if we know that we can have confidence in him because of all those things, uh, something has to happen. Something has to come out. We cannot just carry on living like that. Something has to uh, take place. And so I uh, was thinking about a couple of uh, instances in the, in the Bible. Uh, this one just happens to be the opposite um, of, uh, of action taking place from, from knowing God. Um, so remember the disciples were out on the boat um, and uh, got a little bit stormy. Uh, and they were like, Jesus, wake up, I can't do it, get up, man, and they were really freaked out, and, and Jesus, I mean, you've got to understand, he was sleeping, so he was probably like, yo, guys, what's going on, <laughs> and uh, he saw that they were freaking out, uh, he stood up, basically tuned them a bit, and said, hey, you have little faith, um, and then calmed the storm, basically went, shh, be still, and the storm just went, hmm. everything went calm. I mean, they had reason to be scared, but just before this, and this is the incredible thing, just before this, Jesus went to Peter's house, and he healed uh, his mom, who had been sick. Uh, He was casting out demons, uh, and the Bible says that all the people who were brought to him were healed in that instance. All the people who were brought to him were healed. So the disciples saw a demonstration of his power just before they went out on the water, and then they went out and uh, had a a freak-out fest, and... um, You know, Jesus still calmed the storm and said, you have little faith, but I'll I'll still be there for you. And I think um, Ellie said it just now, like God will pull us out in those times and God cares for us in those times. Then uh, stepping a bit uh, in the other direction, Peter walking on water. Um, If you remember, uh, they were just doing ministry and then Jesus went up the hill uh, to go spend some time praying and sent the disciples on. Uh, They got in the boat and they went out uh, into the water. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking at that moment. Like, well, how is Jesus going to get to the other side? Is he like saying he's done with us? And, you know, you go. Like, I would love to know what the disciples were thinking. Like, why is Jesus staying here and we're going away? Um, anyway, so Jesus, once Jesus had finished praying, they were already quite a distance away. <laughs> and, uh, and then he, he decides, well, I'm going to go to them. And, and the way only Jesus could do, he decides he's going to walk on the water uh, to them. As he's walking towards them, they look out and they see this figure on the, on, the, on the water. And once again, they freak out. They go, it's a ghost. Oh my goodness, guys, we need to like bail ship here. Um, and obviously it wasn't a ghost. And um, Jesus said, it is I, don't be afraid. And uh, Peter went, if it is you, call me to come out. And I don't know, like again, Peter, I don't know if he was expecting that response. Um, but Jesus said, well, come. And so Peter was like, okay, cool. I'll jump out the water. I will jump out the boat into the water. Took a step, took a step. And then we realized, oh, hold on. No, I'm walking in water here. And then started sinking. And the Bible uses the word immediately, and I love it. Jesus immediately grabbed his hand. Jesus immediately pulled him up out of the water. Immediately. But there was an expectancy in Peter. Peter knew that it was Jesus, and suddenly he, he had this burst of faith and stepped out in the water. And uh, I think that's an important point in this thing is sometimes expectancy, uh, we might think that if we're really like, expectant that uh, we won't be scared. But it's actually the opposite. When we step out in faith uh, for God, sometimes, sometimes we do get scared. Often it is scary. Um, if you remember Joshua, Joshua was the one who was going to go inherit the, the promised land. And uh, that was no... Um, that was no easy task. It wasn't like promised land. Uh, it speaks about milk and honey. It wasn't like there were like, like fields that they could frolic in and they, you know, go around and those nice streams of milk and honey and they would all live happily ever after. No, they actually had to go in and conquer uh, the people who were living there. And uh, that it, like, in my mind, I'm going, that is, that is hard, that is difficult, that is scary. Um, and multiple times in Joshua, 1 verse 9 is one of them, God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do you think Joshua was scared? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I really think so. But he knew who God was. Like we've mentioned, he knew who God was. And he was like, okay, I can step out because I know who God is. And uh, just a fantastic story of where expectancy just burst forth. Uh, Is the story of the upper rim. And it's very interesting because when Jesus left in Acts 1 verse 8, uh, he said to them, they will will come to you, a counselor, the Holy Spirit basically, Um, go and pray and wait for for him to come. Uh, And so they go up uh, to the upper room and they spend time praying. 44 days before this, they were sitting at um, the Last Supper and uh, you think it's going to be great. And the argument that breaks out is who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? So they're arguing amongst themselves. And I'm guessing someone's going, well, I did this and I did that. Well, you did this, you know, like blaming them for something. Who's going to be the greatest? And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says the greatest will be the one who serves. The greatest will be the one who serves. And this was just 44 days before that the disciples were bickering amongst each other like this. 44 days later, the disciples are in the upper room. And they're praying together in one accord. The Bible says they were unified as they prayed. And you know what's something fantastic about this? And I, I've, I've known this, but it hasn't like dawned on me as much as uh, in my time prepping. It was 10 days, 10 days between when, Jesus, when they went up for the first time and the day of Pentecost. 10 days, which means they were up there every day for 10 days, praying, seeking after God. I, I don't know if I have the spiritual stamina for 10 days. But you know what, when we enter into that place of expectancy, when we go, God has got something here. When you realize who he is and you go, and he speaks to you and he says, go wait for 10 days because something amazing is gonna happen. You go and do it. And God, when he says it, what do we know? We can have confidence that it's gonna happen. And so 10 days they went up there. This just reminds me of uh, going to chiropractor or a physio. Um, I, I hope I'm not the only one, but uh, whenever I go, they go, you've got really bad posture. You need to do exercises and you need to um, s- you know, stand up straight and uh, you know, don't hunch and when you work at your desk, don't sit like this and all that sort of stuff or, or lean back. Uh, the chiropractor and the physio always, they speak to you about um, your posture. Uh, I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but um, there's this thing called posture of the heart. And it's the way that we approach God. And in this moment with the disciples, the posture of their heart was going, I'm all in. Before they were going, oh, who's the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. You're going to be the greatest. You know, they were trying to reason who was going to be. And now they were all in together, unified. Because the posture of their heart was, God has got something here. And so if we understand posture, we understand that expectancy affects how we live. It affects our, our, our physical posture. It affects our internal posture, our heart posture. <coughs> so expectancy affects our attitudes towards how we live. And um, I'm just going to run through a couple of things quick and uh, just some thoughts that I had. Um, when, when uh, preparing, and um, when we really live in expectancy, when we know who God is, and when that starts inter- or changing our lives, when we start our life starts intersecting with God, it affects the way that we live. And what that means is sometimes when we wake up in the morning, we wake up uh, grumpy. Uh, again, I hope I'm not the only one, um, and uh, or maybe we have a bad day. Um, and uh, that, that sort of frames how our day is going to be. And we go into the day going, well, I just have to get through this day so tomorrow can be a better day. But when we live our lives in expectancy and our life starts changing, uh, we live the day realizing that God has a plan and a purpose for this day, and God can do something in this day, and God can maybe change people's hearts in this day, and God can maybe challenge people in this day. I also think about um, when we pray. It changes the way that we pray. We don't just pray and go, well, hopefully God will do it. But we pray with expectation, knowing that if this is going to bring glory to God, hey, let's pray hard into this. And I uh, remember the, the one word, I think it's from Esther, that's it's perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps God's going to heal this person. Perhaps God's going to do a work in this person's life. Just perhaps. And perhaps God is going to get fantastic glory from this. And perhaps we'll be able to see that now in this day. Perhaps. So I'm going to pray. You know what, if we don't pray, we're probably not gonna see the healing in people's lives. If we don't pray, we're not probably not gonna see the answers come. But if we do pray, perhaps, perhaps it will happen. What about the way we worship? Uh, Matt spoke about this the other day as well. And um, when we come to Sunday, and we come to church, how do, what, what attitude do we come here with? If we have lives of expectancy, we come here going, hey, God wants to work in my life today. Well, God wants to help me connect with someone that I didn't connect with before today. When we come to church, we walk in and we come with our hearts prepared and ready. We don't come in going, oh, oh I need to sit down, this is about to start. Um, sorry for anyone who was late this evening. you know. But we, we come and, we, and we're ready and our hearts were are in the place where we realize that God, God can do a work in my life and he's preparing me for what is gonna come in this week. And so we come and we worship. We don't go... Um, oh yeah, now that's my favorite song, or how do you say it? That's my jam, uh, and that's when you worship. Um, you don't go, um, oh, that beat's sick, That now I worship. Um, we go, actually, all of worship is for God, and this coming in here is a continuation of my week worship. And I come in here, and it's awesome because I get to worship with my friends. It's awesome because I get to worship with music that guys have spent time practicing. But we come in here with this expectant heart, that God is going to do something in this day. I love 1 Samuel 10 verse six. It says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you'll be changed into a different person. If we are expectant that God's spirit will come and move in our hearts, we will walk out of here different. If we don't walk out of here different, maybe the question we need to have is, like, did I encounter God today? Did I press in as I worship today? Did Did I come in here with a desire to meet with God? What about the way we work? And uh, I touched on it a little bit, but as we go to our workplaces, do we go there going, oh, I just need to get through this day or I just need to get through this month so I can get the salary so I can support my family? Or do we go like, God can do something here. That person who tells us every week about going out and getting drunk, God can change that person. God can heal their heart. And God can use me for that. How fantastic would that be how what about my whole office my whole office my boss my boss could change like that's possible with expectancy that's possible when we realize who god is and that god's all about his glory imagine the glory he gets when your whole office turns to him it allows you to wake up in the morning going there's a purpose to today what about the way we serve Uh, I often chat to some of our youth worship guys and they they say, um, and it's maybe not the guys that are on now, um, but they have said things in the past like, I've had a really rough week. Uh, I don't feel like I'm in the right place to serve. Um, If you come with expectancy, you realize that God uses the weak things of this world to profound, (laughs) confound the wise. God uses the weak things to confound the wise, which means that in my weakness, God can use me to do something amazing here. So I'm gonna push through how I'm feeling right now, and I'm going to worship the king because he's worthy of of all of my worship. You come with expectancy going, hey, if I stand up on the stage in my weakness, I'm showing other people that are also in a place of weakness that I can worship despite um, situations or circumstances in my life. Uh, We also, on Friday nights, uh, we have a ministry uh, to teenagers in our city that happens here. Um, We probably have about 60 to 70% of people who don't know Jesus, um, and it is evident. uh, But we don't come to that going, oh, well, we're just going to set up some stuff, going to have some fun, going to pack it up, and then go home. Great night, guys. Well done. We go like, God can use our relationship with these guys to impact them. God can use the three songs of worship that we do on a Friday night to, to start stirring their hearts to him. God can use the short message or the short testimony on a Friday night to change these guys and to let them see that he is real. God can use that time. And so it changes the purpose for why we serve. The reason why we set up is because we can see this happen. What about children's ministry? I was just thinking how um, we often say things like, oh, the children are the leaders of tomorrow, the children are the future. Uh, One of the studies that have been done um, is that um, children is the age um, or the most likely age for, for people to get saved. Um, And so why are we not sowing into that? If we really realize that, if we really realize that God cares about the children, that God uses our gifts for that, if we're not serving, why not? Let's get plugged in, in children's ministry. And we also realize that if we're not serving, we're missing out on the fantastic opportunities that God has to use us in the day. What about the way we evangelize? We can step out. uh, Knowing we have some fear, Uh, But step out going, you know what? God's got me, and God's got this, and God's responsible for moving in that person's heart. And I get to partner with that. Wow. So I can step out. I I might fear. But you know what? When it speaks about being strong and courageous, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is realizing that fear is there and stepping out still. And we can be courageous because God has got it actually. It's not us. It's all God. And so it changes the way we do it. We can step out boldly and go, Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And then you say what you need to say, and then the conversation starts. And then from there, it's easy. I often say to myself, What's the worst that could happen? They shun me and then walk away. I'm like, that's actually not that bad. What's the worst that could happen? But the truth is, when we understand that God is all about his glory, when we understand that God doesn't want anyone to perish, it changes the way that we do that and we step out in faith. And uh, lastly, it changes the way we engage with Scripture. When we read the Bible, suddenly it becomes alive. It becomes alive. We realize that, hey, this event in the Old Testament, hey, that can be meaningful to me today. This event in the Old Testament, hey, this points to Jesus, as our guys in our connect groups are are noticing more and more. Uh, We're running through a thing that just shows how every part of the Bible points towards Jesus. But, hey, my time with God, this is actually important because God wants to speak to me through this. God wants to use this specific scripture today. <clears throat> and we, we don't read it out of habit, but we read it out of desire. So it's good to read scripture and it's good to get into a habit of it, but we want to do it. So in closing, there's uh, some things I put up there. And just the question for you is, what are you expecting for? What are you expecting for in your life? What are you expecting for, for your work, for your family, in our city, in our country? What about your school? What about on Sunday? And when you serve, what are you expecting for? What about your life right now, this month, this year, in the next five years, what are you expecting for? What What do you see God doing in this immediate future? Maybe scan through that list and see what are this. What are some of those that I really need to work on? Like I haven't, I haven't got a vision for, for my future. Or I don't know what God's saying to me for my future. Maybe there's some you need to work on. Maybe there's some like, yeah, I'm, in, I'm doing well in that one. But the truth is that there are so many areas that we can just take that little step of faith. So many areas that God can just start using us more in, if we just allow Him continually so let's pray God we really do desire to know you more because Lord when we when we know uh, more of who you are when we know more of the things that you care about what your heart is Lord, it really shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we live. Lord, we realize that we have to, we have to start stepping out. That scripture, faith without works is dead, uh, just rings so true. And Lord, this evening I know there's some people who, um, who are just challenged by this. I know I am. And to live a life of expectancy, to live a life knowing that when we see you and when we know what your will is for our lives, something has to happen and we have to step out in faith at some stage sometimes we have to step out on that water in expectancy sometimes we have to wait for your spirit to come in expectancy and speak to us but lord our hearts are our hearts are in the place where we just desire to to do your will in our lives so God, we pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. Continue to stir in our hearts every day. And Lord, let us live lives expectantly. Expectant for what you're going to do. Expectant that all of your promises are true. Expectant that you care about each and every individual. That you love everyone like a father. And Lord, we wanna pray that... um, we will be able to celebrate and we will be able to bring glory to to your name through the stories that will come from us. So we just bless your name this evening. Uh, We love you. We're devoted to you. We care about what you care about. And so we pray that you would continue to challenge us this week. Amen.